Good morning, Shoreline City. I'm incredibly excited. Matter of fact, maybe not good morning. It might be good afternoon, depending on what time you decided to wake up. But happy Sunday to every one of you. I am thrilled that we get to be together. I love you so, so much. And we have so much anticipation in our hearts about what God's going to do in every one of our lives today. I need you to know we're believing for God's best in your life. We're believing that he's going to continue to wrap his arms around you, give you tremendous amounts of peace and comfort and strength. Uh, but today we're going to dig into this Bible. We're going to get better and stronger, and we're going to come out of today and this whole season, our nation and our world is in. We're going to come out better, stronger, more filled with faith, more filled with vision, more filled with hope and life than we ever possibly have known. Uh, if you don't mind, go with me to Psalm 150 real quick. Psalm 150. And I actually have you know, not only these cool people behind me, but one of them is oh, probably my favorite on this stage right now, and that would be my son. I've got my 15-year-old son here. Parker, why don't you come on up here for a quick second? Now, Parker, uh, I, I got him up today for church for this Psalm 150. Are you ready, son? He's going to quote this. He's going to quote Psalm 150 right now, and this is for money. Okay. This is for money, okay? <laughs> We're doing this. This There's... there's Dollar bills, y'all, that are connected to this. It's not just that my son loves Jesus. He does, but I'm paying him, too, as well. Okay, so Psalm 150, Parker. Here you go. Let me get something off your shirt, too, here. Man, you got a little bit, a couple, couple fuzzies. Yeah. Test you. Yeah, from blowing your nose. All right. Okay, Psalm 150. You ready? Yeah. Do I take? Okay. Yeah, take, take that mic. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him with the mightiest of heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and the pipe. Praise him with the crashing of cymbals. Praise him with the resounding of cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Money out of my pocket into his life. Psalm 150 ends with, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Uh, I'm glad my son was up here because it was last year uh, sometime, uh, we took a family trip uh, to Florida. Matter of fact, we were actually supposed to be in Florida even uh, this weekend. I was going to be speaking at a friend's church, but in light of everything going on with uh, the virus, we made some adjustments, as you can see. But, but last year, we are down uh, in Florida, brought the family uh, together, and uh, we were jumped in the pool. It was me, Parker, uh, Eric Sewing, a campus pastor over at our Oak Cliff campus, and um, one, oh, Ezra, Ezra uh, Youngblood, one of Parker's, uh, one of Parker's friends. Uh, and, and we're all in the pool together, and I walk up, and they've got a competition going on. And you know how whenever you don't have stuff, you just make up games. This is definitely what guys do. I'm sure ladies do it as well. But guys, without a doubt, we can turn anything into a competition. So these three individuals turned this pool into a competitive space. And this is what they were doing. You had to start on one side of the pool. You would take one breath, hold it, go under, push off the wall, and go to the other side. You weren't allowed to use your arms. You weren't allowed to kick your feet. You know, the, the, the rules kind of grow as the game begins. So you, you, you couldn't kick your feet. You couldn't move your arms. Just one push. Once you get to the other side, you one push. And the goal was to see how many times you can get to back and forth without taking a breath. 
And I don't remember what the number ended up being, but I walked up on this and I'm like, hey, competition. Yep. Let me jump on in there. And it was a, a ton of fun. But, but whenever you do this type of game and you're going back and forth, you push off the wall and you're like, oh my gosh, can I make it? Can I make it? When you start to get to like that number 10, 11, 12, can I make it? Can I make it? Can I make it? And those of you who have ever played any game when you've tried to hold your breath, you know you get to that point. It's like, okay, I'm about, I'm about to die. I'm about to die. I'm about to die. I'm about to die. But no, no, you have to get past number 12 so that you can win this competition. And you and you come out. Did I win? Did I win? Did I win? Uh, but you're gasping for air. And I honestly feel like that's a picture of uh, what's happening in our world, definitely in our nation right now. People just, I need a breath. It's gasping for air. And I actually find it interesting that I, I think most of us are living in a rat race like this, going back and forth, back and forth, trying to beat someone else, trying to uh, outperform someone else. We're doing this at our jobs. We're doing this at our schools. We're doing this on athletic fields. Uh, we're doing this all over the place. Individuals trying to one-up each other, and we're going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, and then you've got something like this virus that hits or something that might be going on in your own personal life. It could be uh, bill issues. It could be cancer. It could be a loved one that was in an accident. It could be a whole host of things and it's like I just I just need a breath yeah. I, I need I need I need a breath the title of of today's message is is borrowed breath wow. we're going to we're going to dig into this a little bit even this COVID-19 is a is a respiratory issue wow. has to do with your lungs and your breath we're going to dig into the scriptures here and see what God would have to say about not only this moment that we're in, but in moments that we are in even into the future. Genesis chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, Genesis chapter 2. It's the first book of the Bible. We're going to put the scriptures on the screen for you. So if you don't have your Bible with you, I guess you could literally pause this right now if you wanted to and run and get your Bible. Genesis chapter 2. We're going to start reading in verse number five. We're going to go all the way to verse number seven. It says, now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground. Shoreline City, you know, we've been talking about this verse over the last uh, number of weeks, how God's the one that sends the rain. We're the ones that work the ground. Uh, but continuing on, but streams came up from the earth and water the whole surface of the ground. Verse number seven. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Can we break down some of these words here real quick? Let's start with this word formed. It's a beautiful word. I, I like this word uh, because it, it has, in my brain, it has everything to do with, with those of you who are, who are artists or, 
or, or, or those of you who are even architects or engineers, or even, even those who are scientists, biologists, because this word formed here is not like just thrown together, but it, it carries with it the idea that someone is, 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 is molding, someone is with their own hands fashioning and forming something. It's like someone is, is thinking something up and taking what they're thinking and putting it into this entity and, and turning it into something that it wasn't before. I, I, my, uh, my, my middle son, uh, Grayson, who's fantastic, he's nine years old, he's incredibly creative and an engineer, and I mean, he's got all this stuff working at the same time. I think I got my, my foil. Let me, let me have just the, uh, the, the, the thingamajiggy, this, this thing first. Okay, this right here is, is foil. Okay, you've seen it, most likely. What, my, what our nine-year-old son does is we hear this all the time. You hear this sound in our house. All the time, we hear the sound. Now, this started years ago. This little sheet of foil, our son will sit there, and he turns it into works of art. Let me show you one of them. Let me show you one. Let me give you that. Ball that, ball that foil up, too, so you know you're making foil noises back there, uh, Miss Holly. So this right here is one, one of his pieces of foil art. This is an old one. I had to go into his closet. He wasn't willing to give me new stuff. Uh, he had to give me uh, one of his old ones. Can, can you look? You see the little head? This right here, this is, uh, this is Gax. This is Gax. Uh, Gax's arms are all woven together. He's an alien. He has light powers. Uh, he has these tentacles here on the end. Uh, I think he also is able with this hand to throw sound waves out. Um, I think he can fly. I'm not sure. Uh, but this hand, I do think, can unravel and it can turn into multiple appendages that is able to grab you and devour your flesh. Uh, it does a whole <laughs> bunch of different things here. And all of it came from that one sheet of foil. He formed it. Grayson had something in his mind. He said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this together. Here's the God of heaven, Genesis chapter two. And he has this garden all around. And he has in mind a creation that he will love and care for. And he begins to, he begins to form it. He's putting it together. I want you to see you're not an accident. I want you to see that your life's not an accident. I want you to see how your maid's not an accident. I want you to see uh, your, your skin color and your gender and your ears and your eyes and, and, and the, how tall you are and how short you are. I want you to see that it's not an accident. I want you to see that what's put on the inside of you was not an accident, that, that the God of heaven was forming. He, he was sitting at his table and he was drawing out a picture. And then he took from that picture and he, he birthed mankind. He, he brought you and I to life in this moment. You're, you're not just something that happened to happen. You're not just some accident somewhere. Your life is not meaningless. There's actually so much purpose on the inside of you because the God of heaven formed you. He formed you. He made you. Not only, not only did he, he form, the, the word here, he, he formed the man from the dust. Man, I like this. Grayson uses sheets of foil, God decided to use dust. Wow. 
here he is in this garden. And the materials he chooses to use is dirt. I, I like that he used the dirt to make them. And I actually still feel like God uses dirt to make all of us. Like the parts of your life that have been hard, the parts of your life that have been difficult, the parts of your life that have been so overwhelming, the parts of your life that are like, I, I wish I could forget. God used those dirt parts of your life to make you. He used those parts where individuals cheated on you and people stabbed you in the back. He used that stuff to, to make you. He, he took those disappointments that you and I have walked through. He, the prayers that we even prayed that weren't answered the way we wanted them to be answered. He took the dirt and he, and he made us. That's the stuff that makes you stand strong today. That's the stuff that puts some, some grit on the inside of you. That's the stuff that helps you be able to take a licking and still keep on ticking. It's the dirt that God used to make you and me. And I know so many people are trying to avoid all the dirt. And we want squeaky clean lives. But from the very beginning, God said, I'll use the mess in order to make you. So even what's going on in our nation right now, what might be going on in your family or what might be going on in your mind, I want you to know that God can use that dirt to make you even today. And he'll make you into the man and the woman that he called you to be. Jesus even said this to the disciples when he was calling them in the New Testament. He said, follow me. And I'll make you, I'll make you, I'll form you, I'll fashion you, I'll put you together. But when God forms this man, when he puts them together, when he's in this garden, I see sunshine, crisp air, I see things being pristine and and this master artist, creator, God, forming and fashioning this man. He puts him together with ten fingers and ten toes. And uh, Did he have a belly button? Did he not have a belly button? Who, who, who knows? Uh, he, he puts them together. He's formed, but he's lifeless. He's lifeless. Can't accomplish anything. Can't make anything happen. Can't create anything himself. He's lifeless. He's formed. He's fashioned. He's made from the dust. But he's lifeless. So, so in this moment here, this lifeless being, God breathes into his nostrils, the breath of life. And the man becomes a living being. I wonder how many of you are there, but lifeless. Existing, but lifeless. Money in the bank, but lifeless. People patting you on the back, but lifeless. Single and available, <laughs> but lifeless. <laughs> Married with kids, but, but lifeless. Own a company, but lifeless. A great Instagram following, but, but lifeless. 
And what Adam could not do for himself, the God of heaven needed to do for him. He could not bring himself to life. He needed someone on the outside to give him something that he did not have. And Adam laying there lifeless, not dead, but, but, but lifeless in this moment. He's, he does not have it in himself to pull himself up. The God of heaven breathes into his nostrils the breath of life. And this man <gasps> comes to new life. I was wondering... Did God, did God pick up his lifeless body and breathe into it? Or did God go down to his lifeless body and breathe into it? I don't know. The Bible, the Bible doesn't actually tell us if he picked him up or if God went down. But what I know about God and the rest of Scripture is he does both. I know there are times that you and I are in pits and you are you and I are in cages and you and I are in dungeons and dungeons and and the God of heaven. He seems like he reaches down into into just some darkness and despair. And it's like he just picked me up out of he just he just puts his hand down in the muck and the mire and the junk and the and the rejection and the disappointment it's like he puts his hand right down in there and he pulls us right up out of it it's like there's sometimes I could not get out of the bed myself and it's like God's grace just picked me up and put put me on my feet when I couldn't do it myself there are some times the God of heaven he picks people up yes he does and there's some times man I just Sometimes he comes down. Man, like I will with my daughter when she's in bed and it's time to wake up for school. And I don't just always call her to me, but I come to her. And I touch her face and kiss her cheek. I come down to be as close as I possibly can. Hey, time to wake up. All of this, my friends, in this Genesis chapter 2. It's the God of heaven. I want you to see how intimate, how, how caring. I want you to see how intentional. I want you to see how loving. I want you to see how powerful. I want you to see how dead you and I were and how dependent on God that we not only were but are even to this very day. I, I want to paint a clear picture of who's in control of life. It's not me and you. It's God that's in control of this thing called life and he's not lost one ounce of his power and what he was able to do in Genesis he's still able to do to this very day. Uh, but I got another word from this passage of scripture. Look, look, it says, uh, then the Lord God, Lord God, everybody say Lord, Lord, Lord. Uh, come on, come on, everybody say Lord, 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 Lord. that's right, okay, um, Lord, L-O-R-D, Lord, it's all capital right here, now the Bible was not originally written in English, okay, Old Testament, written in Hebrew. 
Uh, so some Bible nerds, you're going to like this right here. Okay, so Bible nerds, put on your glasses right now. Get your pocket protector out. You're going to love this. You're going to love this. Okay, you're going to love it. Uh, the, the Bible was not originally written in English. It was written in Hebrew. It was translated later on into, into English. So the Bible uh, scholars, when they are when they're translating certain words, uh, you and I read Lord God, Lord God, Lord, Lord God, 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 Lord God. And there's different words in Hebrew that we translate into English. Uh, like one of the words for God is Elohim, has a, has, a certain, has a certain meaning to it. But whenever you see your English translation and you see a capital L-O-R-D, that means the Hebrew writers actually had in that spot this thing called the, ready, 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 Bible nerds, you're going to like this, the te- tetragrammation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't sleep on my skills. Don't sleep. Don't sleep. <laughs> yah hey va hey Y-H-V-H. Lord. This, my friends, is the proper name of God. It's like a sacred name. The tetragrammation actually means four, four, uh, four letters. This this word here is a holy name. This name, I I was told, I was told that this name was so holy that when the scribes were, were, were about to write this on the paper years and years and years ago, they would actually pause before they wrote this name and go wash their hands, which is a good idea today. They would go wash their hands, then come back. And write the name. It was so holy that they they kept it in such high esteem that they would not even speak this name out loud. And if someone did, they better do it at the right place at the right time. It was that holy and special. There are many people that would take it uh, from, from the Ten Commandments and do not use the name of the Lord in vain. And this idea, this Yahweh, this, this name right here was not just thrown around all over the place. My friends, it was so incredibly holy. And what we see here in Genesis chapter 2 is we see this proper name of God, this Yahweh being written, this Lord, capital L-O-R-D. But let me pull out this one piece. I heard it said, I've heard it said that some rabbis of old believe that God wove his name into the very fabric of humanity. How? Some thought that when you breathe, you're actually saying, God's name. Yeah. Like your breath. And my breath sounds like we're speaking God's name. Yeah. Like every time you're not sure which way is up and you might be concerned that God is far off and distant 
not connected to what you might be going through in this moment. Every time you're confused and dis- disillusioned, every time you're disappointed, every time you're maybe a little bit overwhelmed or I'm a little bit overwhelmed and we think God is far away, off in the distance somewhere. Perhaps he's even closer than you and I could ever possibly imagine. He's right there when you and I are just. <sighs> yeah. That maybe that just maybe. When, when you and I are in the, the darkest moments and we're looking at our bills and we're overwhelmed by what's in front of us and we're like, God, I don't have any prayers to pray right now. What's going to happen to my job? What's going to happen to my nation? What's going to happen to my family? What's going to happen to my community? What's going to happen to my world? And you're wondering, where are you, God? Maybe, just maybe, he's right there in your mouth and you're speaking his name just by breathing. Yeah. Hey. So so it begs the question, does does life end when you die or does life end when you can no longer say the name of God? When a baby comes into the world, is it just the baby's born, that's when it comes to life, or when that baby takes its first breath? And it begins to speak the name of God. That's actually when it comes to life. Because, uh, yeah. Hey. Hey. Yeah. Hey. Hey. I don't know how, what I should pray right now, but yeah. Hey. Hey. I'm not sure what's going to happen with the future of my family, but yeah. Hey. Hey. Man, these people are stabbing me in the back. Yeah. Hey, Hey, shoot, I can't find any hand sanitizer or toilet paper anywhere. Yeah. Hey. Hey, I'm not sure if this company's gonna get off the ground. I'm not even sure if I'm walking in my purpose right now. Yeah. Hey. Hey, I oh man, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, God is probably a whole lot closer than you and I even think he is. And he's actually moving in ways you and I don't even think that he's moving. And he's actually right there. He's right there with you. And he's right there with me in this very moment right now. I remember when we first moved uh, to Dallas to to launch this church, Onika and I, my beautiful, fine wife. I love her so much. Hair so perm. I mean, y'all know. You've seen her. You've seen her. Uh, when we moved here, we had two kids at the time, just Parker and, and Grayson. And, and, you know, Elle came, came into our life a little bit later. But I, I remember, you know, moving here to start this church. And there was no one calling us saying, hey, will you please come and start a church? <laughs> there, was, there was nobody calling us. The only one that called us was God. <laughs> so just answering his call. And I remember being perplexed at what, Dallas? Why Dallas? There's so many churches in Dallas. I love, I, I, there are churches in Dallas I want to go to. Why in the world am I going to go to Dallas to start a church? And now that we've been here these, these eight years, or uh, well, we've been here nine years, church is now eight years old, I, I'm now beginning to see the, 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 the part of the body that we were, we were called to, to fill and, and the part we we're called to serve alongside of all these other amazing churches in our communities, churches that we admire. We're literally standing on their shoulders and so thankful for them going before us. And, 
But I, but I remember in 2011 when we moved here and we were, I mean, we were like, yes, we're all in. We are all in. Let's take our 401k, 403b, but take, let's take our retirement. Let's put that money into the church. Boom, into the church. Oh, no, we don't have to live off of what we lived on uh, in Austin. Let's live on less. Let's live on less. We're doing God's work. God's work. Let's live on less money. Take all that money. Throw it into the church. And we put it all in. We put all of our chips in. And y'all, whoo, I like to have a couple of those chips back, you know, <laughs> we, we didn't see it, we didn't quite understand our, our, our zealousness kind of pushed us to a, to a point where things were tight, you know, eh. tight's one thing, but like death grip is another that's on you. You ever, you ever been there? <laughs> You ever been like, it's the third of the month, and you're like, dang, I got $72 in my account right now, and you're like, how am I going to stretch $72 for another 20-something days? We had a number of uh, doctor's bills that came our way, had a number of health issues that that hit us, and it it was, the church was doing great, but man, you had to make some decisions like, okay, am I gonna pay my rent? I'm going to pay my school loan. We had to make those decisions. It was, it was a very, very trying time. It was very, very difficult. God, why'd you call me here? You called me here so my family would struggle? You called me here so, so I wouldn't make it? You called me here to, to fail? God, I... I'm supposed to love my, my wife as Christ loves the church. I'm not, I'm not married to the church. I'm, I'm married to my wife. I'm, I'm here to serve and lead and, and support my family. So, so what, what, what's the deal here, God? Man, you, you miss one of those school loan payments. It hits your credit. So then we finally get caught up, but now my credit's messed up. So now I want to go buy a house, but we can't buy a house because my credit's been messed up. Because I had to pay all these medical bills. And I had to, you know, it's like it's the snowball, the cycle that ends up happening. I'm just telling you, I remember sitting there in the beginning stages of our church where more people are giving their hearts to Christ and, and people are, the church is growing and, and, and people are like, oh man, this thing is great. I'm like, man, I'm glad this is all great, but there's something else over here that's not all that great. And there are times. All you can do is breathe. (sighs) The good news for you and for me and everybody on this platform is we've all made it through 100% of our worst days. (laughs) Every last one of them. Every worst day that we had that we were like, I, I, I cannot take another, if another thing happens, I'm done. We've made it through 100% of those days. Every day that we thought it's over, every day, every day that we thought I cannot put one foot in front of the other, we have made it through every single one of those days. And it was not because we were great, but it was because the God of heaven breathed into our nostrils the breath of life. And we are right now sustained by his grace and his power. 
So, so I, I'm reading this passage of Scripture. I'm thinking about God picking it up or God coming down. And obviously, there's no better picture of God coming down than Jesus. God put skin on and said, I'm coming down. I'm coming down to humanity, the ones I've made, the ones that have turned their backs on me, the ones that have betrayed me, the ones that have dishonored me. I'm coming down. And Jesus, being fully God and fully man, comes down and and he walks into this earth and there is brokenness everywhere. Please make no mistake about that. Jesus did not come into a pristine, perfect situation. He came in with disease around. He came in with the poor around. He came in with the rich around. He came in with business leaders and he came in with those making minimum wage. He came in with day laborers and he came in with kings. He came in in a day where people were on the entire socioeconomic spectrum. He came in a day where some people were ostracized and some people were on the end. He came in in a day that's very similar to our day and he came in and he brought hope and he brought compassion and he brought love and he brought healing and he brought life and that's the same thing Jesus is doing today. He is bringing all those same things to our world in this moment, in this hour for me and for you and for your family and my family. The Savior Walking, giving worth and dignity and value to women when other individuals would push them aside. When a woman would be stoned for something, Jesus standing up and protecting her. When the marginalized would be walked past, Jesus was willing to connect with them. When business leaders and religious leaders had a party, Jesus would be there and be willing to speak truth and love and hope. And confront when things needed to be confronted. Here we have our Savior, and he's just this perfect picture of leadership and, and love and rallying troops. And you and I are, are even here today because he took a group of riffraffs and was willing to pour himself into them. The disciples give me hope. I don't know about you, but they give me massive amounts of hope because as jacked up as they were and God was able to use them, I know he's going to be able to use me. I'm not trying to judge him. I just think I'm a little bit better. <laughs> Kidding. I don't think that at all. But I think maybe I would have gotten some of the things that Jesus would, was saying, but maybe I would not have. Maybe, maybe, honestly, if I'm honest, if I'm really, really honest, I think God has probably spoken some things to my heart that I've ignored just like the disciples ignored. And, and I keep on being encouraged that God keeps on reaching out to not perfect people, but everyday people. Saying, hey, I'll make you. You don't have to have it all together yet. I'll make you. You don't have to have arrived yet. I'll make you. You don't have to have all your T's crossed and all your I's dotted. I will make you. And how does our Savior do this? Not only does he walk and heal and love and touch and serve and encourage and confront. Not only does he do all of that. He then goes for the ultimate sacrifice. And God takes your place and my place on this old rugged cross. And he gets up there and he takes your sin and my sin and your shame and my shame and, 
and, and your disconnectedness from God and my disconnectedness from God. Not just us being bad, but us being dead. He takes all of that and he puts it upon himself. And look what, look what the, the gospel writer says in Mark chapter 15, verse number 37. Mark chapter 15, verse 37 with a loud cry, as Jesus is on the cross, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. He's up there, taking all the sin and the shame and the guilt and the brokenness of all of humanity. Every war and rumor of war, every Every baby, every adult, every man, every woman, every person who speaks English and every person who doesn't. Every person who's brown, white, red, all in between. People with big eyes, people with small eyes, people that are tall, people that are short. He takes the sin and the shame of all of humanity for all time and he puts it upon himself. And in that moment, he breathes his last breath. And when he breathes his last, the people around him think they think it's over. They don't know that it's just getting started. They don't know that this is a start of something brand new, that Jesus had to breathe his last so you and I could breathe our first, that he had to give up his breath so you and I could actually have the breath of God flowing through our veins. And this, my friends, is the new life and the new hope and the resurrection power that is found in Jesus Christ, that you will not stay lifeless forever, but you'll come up out of that grave because this is what our Savior does. He's always done it. And he's still doing it today. So what's dead right now? Who's dead? Come on, maybe you've been, you were in church a long time ago, but you know you're honest right now. You're like, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead. Maybe, maybe you look the part on the outside, but you're still dead on the inside. Maybe everybody else has ostracized you and you thought maybe God wanted nothing to do with you, but you're wrong, my friend. He has everything to do with you. He made you, he formed you, he fashioned you, and he's ready to give you brand new life. I'm telling you, today is the day of salvation for every single one of us. And as Christ's arms were open wide on that cross, they are still open wide today for every single man and woman. I don't care what you have done. I don't care where, what you have been through. I don't care what sin you have committed. I don't care how many people have stepped on you and walked past you. I'm telling you, all the dust and all the dirt, God is able to use all of that and breathe into your nostrils the breath of life. And today, not just you, but I speak over our entire nation. We're coming to a living being in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. This is the day. Today's the moment. I'm not stepping back, stepping forward. This is not our own strength and power. No, my friends, don't get it confused, don't get it twisted. This is the grace and power that comes from above. A God that not only picks up, but a God that also comes down. And you and I right now, we're living on his borrowed breath. Um, I'm just about to be all done here. I really appreciate you taking time to, to be with us today. It means more than you can ever possibly imagine. As I was praying and thinking about this sermon, man, I just had so many people in our church running through my mind.
my mind, even people like Tori, who he loves so, so much, and has been dealing with some respiratory issues for years and years, and, and all this stuff going on with COVID-19 is, is really problematic for someone like her. I know I have a grandmother that's in a nursing home on the East Coast, and just thinking about her and making sure she's okay. There's a, there's a lot of us that are in a lot of different places. We've got people that we're concerned about in our community, people that we're concerned about in our friends. And some of us, we're not even concerned at all what's going about our everyday life. Uh, COVID, we, we're not even concerned about COVID because we got too many bills. <laughs> we're not concerned about COVID because we got too, many, too much family drama. It's like, I, I wish I had time to even be concerned about all that. I got all this I'm still dealing with. But, but I, I want to I give us just a one big time practical that since Jesus gave us his breath, those of us who are followers of Jesus, it does not stop with us. We now are the ones to share that breath with the world. We are the ones that take what we have been given and we give it to every coworker and family member. And when you're not sure what to say, I just want to remind you of a beautiful scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It says, all scripture is God-breathed. You got breath in your hand. You got breath on your phone. And like Parker memorized Psalm 150, maybe instead of having what CNN or MSNBC or Fox News memorized, maybe we need to go to what? What God breathed and have that memorized. And I wonder what it would look like if we were speaking and saying God's word over our families, married couples grabbing hands, reading this God-breathed word before we go to bed together, maybe grabbing our kids because they're out of school for who knows how long, and God help us all in the name of Jesus with that. And we're grabbing them, and, and we're speaking God's word. And we're going to take this time, not as a time to cower in fear, but a time to stand up with the grace and the power that comes from Jesus Christ. And be who he's called us to be. If you wouldn't mind, every friend, I want you to bow your head for just a moment. I'm asking you to bow your head, not because it's mystical or magical, but just so that you can focus for just a second. If you're under the sound of my voice right now, and you have not yet given your heart and your life to Jesus Christ, you're lifeless, you're dead, and you know it. I'm not asking, do you think you're a good person? I'm not asking, do you think um, that you're better than the person sitting next to you? That's not my question. My question is, have you surrendered your heart and your life to Jesus Christ? Is he first in your life? And if he is not, this is the moment where he wants to forgive you of your sins and turn your life around so that you'll live your life not for your glory, but for his so if that's you today, and you know you are ready to give your heart and your life to Christ, I just want you to get ready because I'm about to lead you in a prayer. 
Matter of fact, I'm going to ask everyone to do me a favor. Put your hand over your heart. Every person, even my friends on the platform here, everybody just put your hand over your heart right now. Because it's going to be a moment of transformation, a moment of salvation, a moment of a new beginning for so many. And I want you to repeat this prayer out loud. I'm just leading you in a prayer. It's like me uh, as a pastor leading you in your vows, if you will. You're just going to repeat after me. And you believe these words in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. The Bible promises that you and I will be, be saved, that new life will fill us. Here you go. Repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I've made mistakes. And today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power. To live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, can you lift up your heads? Can we clap our hands? Every person at homes and coffee shops, we love you so much. And I got some really important next steps for all of us, even some things that are initiatives that we're going to be doing as a church to help serve our community well. So don't you dare turn this off yet because I've got somebody who's a lot prettier than me that's going to be standing next to me in just a moment. You ready?